Welcome to the Casper podcast, where we explore the cutting edge of blockchain technology and speak to those that are building the future of the decentralized web. I'm your host, Joe Benso, and I'm joined by my colleague, Matt Schaffnett from the Casper Association. Today, we have a special guest, Dylan Ireland, who is a developer advocate for Casper and a leading expert in blockchain and smart contracts in his own right. He'll be sharing his insights on the future of blockchain and the importance of ease of use in building on Casper. So sit back and enjoy our conversation. And if you find it valuable on your journey down the Web3 rabbit hole, make sure to subscribe. You can also leave listener voice messages that we may include in future episodes. If you have some particular alpha you'd like to share, feel free. I'll hand it over to Matt to get us started and welcome our guest, Dylan. Okay, great. Well, we have Dylan Ireland here today. Dylan comes from West Virginia. He's been with the association for a year as a developer advocate. A really, really amazing background. He brings a lot to the team. Yeah, so thanks for having me. So I got into blockchain in late 2019. I got started with Ethereum mining. I loved it. I thought it was really interesting. Um, And then shortly after, I it led me into smart contracts. So I started learning about smart contracts, how they worked. Um, and eventually I started developing smart contracts. I had started programming a few years prior. So it was already something I, you know, had a bit of experience in. And so I got started and I began writing smart contracts, deploying them to the network. I started with Solidity, um, found it really interesting and decided that I should go on and start doing hackathons. So I started with Gitcoin, with the Gitcoin hackathon for the Casper Association. Um, I was fortunate enough to win that hackathon and uh, I won a bounty for my work. Um, Soon after, I became a developer advocate for the Casper Association. I started about a year ago. And since then, I have hosted hackathons. So that's great, Dylan. Like, I mean, I think that speaks to kind of the effectiveness of using the community of developers and now bringing you into the fold with within Casper. You know, you're a full time, you know, developer advocate, hands on talking with developers, uh, guiding them through the process. Um, and so you have a wealth of experience now working with people that are interested in getting their hands dirty, so to speak, uh, in developing on the blockchain, on Casper. And coming from a background where you know the ins and outs of Ethereum, as you mentioned, and Solidity, what would you say are like the biggest differences for a layer one blockchain like Casper versus other blockchains that require you know, specific programming languages. One of the biggest things is that the smart contracts are in WebAssembly, right? So the virtual machine running on the distributed network is in WebAssembly. And so therefore you can write your smart contracts in any programming language. Right now, our most popular is Rust, uh, but we also support AssemblyScript. And there will soon be other compilers that will allow you to compile a variety of languages. So you can write your smart contracts in any language, which is fantastic. Casper also supports upgradable smart contracts, which is very nice. We talk about that a lot. It's a very cool feature of Casper. um, And it's something that enterprise companies need to build out a a better future in Web3. 
Yeah, that's super interesting. And it kind of goes counterintuitive to uh, a lot of people's understanding about smart contracts and the immutable aspect of blockchain itself. And so can you explain a little bit like how can smart contracts be upgradable and still secure? Yeah, so they're, they're versioned, right? So if I'm upgrading a smart contract, it's going to have a certain version. So if I'm a user of that smart contract, I know that it's been upgraded due to the fact that it's on a newer version number than it was before. Uh, so that's really nice. You know, let's say I'm a, I'm a company and I need to um, upgrade a, a piece of software within the smart contract. I don't need to re-release uh, an entirely new smart contract, right? I can just upgrade the one I have and upgrade the version number. Um, so as the user, I, I really need not worry as long as I can read the code of the smart contract and see what's happening within the smart contract. So I know uh, that what I'm doing is safe. You can still have audits. You can still have all these things for new versions, right? And then you can update these new smart contracts. You can update your smart contracts to newer versions and not change the contract hash and not have to change apps or things that are in production. Hey, I just have to say as someone who comes from the operational side of the house and a lot of my experiences, the value of that kind of feature. It's really easy to understand in the enterprise context. And if I look back on the last 10 years of technological evolution and how quickly the markets move and the ecosystems move, having features built into this, such as upgradability, are really valuable. I think that's a really great point, Dylan. You mentioned Rust as a programming language. And can you go a little bit into detail as to why that's a benefit to you know that specific language? Rust is a great choice for a programming language for smart contracts because for one, it has a great compiler. So when you're compiling your code, Rust will tell you what's wrong if you have an issue. It treats warnings as errors in many cases. So, you know, if you have unused variables and things like that, your your compiler will notify you and you can fix that that issue. It's very statically typed, which is very nice. So, you know, if I'm writing a piece of code in JavaScript, for example, um, and I define my variable as one data type, I can actually go and change that data type later in the code and it's not an issue to the compiler, but for, for Rust compiling into WebAssembly, that would actually be an issue and the compiler would, would flag that. The purpose for that is that if I were to do that and I, and I write this code, then I know that it is uh, quality, at least more quality than in another programming language. For example, I know that it's more robust and I don't have to worry as much about issues within the code. In your opinion, like what are some of the most exciting, innovative uses of blockchain technology that, that you're seeing today? There's a lot of great use cases. So uh, my favorite is decentralized finance. That's what really got me into it. Um, I find decentralized exchanges fascinating, uh, right? Token switching and NFTs, of course, are very popular in the media now. You know, I know we've come down, you know, off the big bubble. The technology is fascinating, right? So you can, you know, represent houses, anything from a house to a piece of music as an NFT, which is fantastic. You have things like flash loans, right? If I want to borrow $10 million, I can do that as long as I repay it immediately with no collateral down. There's really all sorts of uh, potential use cases for blockchain technology. And Casper's a great ecosystem for that because we have a great system for scalability, decentralization, and security. 
you just mentioned NFTs and there's there's a lot of talk around NFTs and you mentioned the bubble and a lot of like mainstream media focuses on like the sensationalism of let's say the price of NFTs and and view that um, just top level headline nature when people are skimming and getting getting news in a very um, very limited attention span kind of environment that everybody lives in today, it's very easy to dismiss the you know the technical disruption that non fungible tokens have from a technology standpoint and the use cases that can be developed that are being developed, especially in this bear market, those that are building and ignoring the you know the mass media trend of saying nfts are over crypto is over you know you see a lot of those sensationalized headlines where are the biggest misconceptions that you see around let's just take nfts and you you mentioned they can represent a house or a piece of music and and why is that important and and from the standpoint of the technology why are nfts important yeah, absolutely. So the uh, the greatest thing about that is that NFTs are a digital record of authenticity, effectively. So they they can be transferred. They can be you can do all sorts of things with them. And on Casper, of course, they are supported by smart contracts, which are completely programmable. So you can do whatever you'd like with them. The actual technology is fascinating because it's actually not much different than a house deed in and of itself. Uh, a deed to a house is just a piece of paper you know, that's locked up in a safe, right? So if I have an NFT that represents my house deed, you know, I can have on-chain information that links that deed to me or to my home address, uh, whatever I like, right? And then I can transfer that NFT around and on Casper, I can do it for, you know, very cheap and very securely, right? So these are all benefits to NFT technology. Really, really well put. And I think that you keyed in on one thing that I've been thinking a lot about, and then I'd like to just cover it on the other side is that when you look at an NFT outside of the JPEGs, right, you have an opportunity to accomplish two very legally distinct things in a secure and transparent environment. When I hear NFTs and how they're explained to folks, it's always like a certificate of authenticity. It's a COA. Great, but it's just a little bit more than that because it also represents the provenance or ownership within that. So we really look at these NFTs and these smart contract platforms as enabling cryptographically secured authenticity and ownership rights over a variety of asset classes that could be many shapes and sizes. We could take giant leaps forward as humanity, creating efficiencies that will really make an impact in a variety of ways. Some might also say, Matt, cryptographically secure property rights. I'll leave that up for the listeners to figure that one out. So as you mentioned, like in the future, kind of where is this going, Dylan? Like wh where do you see the future of blockchain technology and cryptocurrency evolving over the next five to 10 years, given the fact that, you know, we're still here, we're building, we we believe in the technology, we believe in the potential, the, the disruption to enable a, a lot of positive change in a lot of different industries as well. What's your viewpoint on that? 
Yeah. So you're always going to have volatility, right? And there's always going to be people that are speculating that, you know, don't really understand the technology and just are in it for a quick buck. So you're always going to have these boom bust cycles, right? And crypto has always been known to be very cyclic. But in terms of the technology itself, I, I believe we have a long way to go, but I think we're going to get there because, you know, think about the computer, right? Think about the internet, about the first cell phones. Early in their days, they did not have much consumer application, right? But, you know, soon enough, consumers did pick it up and the, and those that were involved in the development of them early on, you know, knew that they probably would be in the hands of consumers soon enough, right? Because the, the technology is there and it is better than what was there before, right? So I see us using blockchain to handle uh, financial payments back and forth, whether that be buying assets or buying something at the grocery store and that you know that comes down to visa mastercard all these companies using that i see us using it to store proofs of authenticity like we were talking about with nfts you know whether that be house deeds or you know music or event tickets concert tickets things like that i see us using blockchain in our everyday lives you know on our phones on our computers throughout our lives and in our jobs etc so, I mean, we are all here because we're believers in the technology. Um, you know, we are uh, going through those boom and bust cycles and sticking around because of, you know, I think our our commitment and belief to where this is all going. And Dylan, we really appreciate you coming on board to Casper, strengthening our team, onboarding developer communities within our Discord. You have YouTube series, tutorials going out, how to get started on Casper. We're gonna link to that in the show notes here. Yeah, uh, absolutely. So if you are interested in building on Casper, if you're listening to this and are interested, um, I do have a series on YouTube called the DAP Developer Series. It's on Casper's YouTube channel. Uh, and that teaches you how to write smart contracts and build dApps on the front end so that you can build entire decentralized applications that people can use on the Casper network. So definitely check that out. And other than that, thank you, Matt and Joe, for having me on today. It's always great when you can find folks like yourself that contribute such uh, large amounts of, of value and perspective. Uh, so it's great to have you aboard and thanks again. That's all for today's episode of the Casper Podcast. We hope you enjoyed our conversation with Dylan Ireland and found it valuable in your journey exploring the decentralized web. If you did, make sure to subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an episode. Also, leave us a listener voice message if you have any feedback or insights you'd like to share. We're always looking for ways to improve and make our show as informative and engaging as possible. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time on the Casper Podcast.